Welcome everyone to the Modern Day Overthinker podcast. My name is Colin and I'm your host. This new episode is with Rena Friedman Watts. She is a mom, entrepreneur, podcaster, host of Better Call Daddy podcast, which is available on all platforms. I'll have a link in the description. She is also a radio host, a former television producer. She worked on a couple very popular shows, The Jerry Springer Show, as well as Nanny 911. She also is just a phenomenal person. She's awesome. She's very high-driven. And we were able to talk about being a parent as well as having issues with miscarriages in the past, mental health being a common theme with her podcast guests. And we just discussed a lot as we usually do on this podcast and I had a great time doing it and I hope I can be a guest on her podcast soon we have talked about it so it's in the works look for that in the future we actually set a date to do that recording so that'll be awesome in the meantime check out this episode you'll really enjoy it like subscribe comment review do all that good stuff I really appreciate it So for the first time ever, there is a sponsor of the podcast for this episode, and that particular sponsor is a friend of mine who has a vacation rental in Cape Coral, Florida. There will be a link in the description to check it out, and if you feel like that's a good spot for you and you would like to get away, you can definitely do that, spend some time down in Florida, and... The special deal for Modern Day Overthinker listeners is if you email me a confirmation that you have booked a vacation rental at Hidden Gem is the name of the place, I will reach out to the owner of the property and he will cut your cleaning fee in half. It's normally $200. It will be cut to $100. So if you do book using the link provided in the description of this podcast, Let me know. Email mdoverthinker at gmail.com and I'll make sure you get that discount on the cleaning fee. That being said, this is episode number 72 of the Modern Day Overthinker podcast with Rena Friedman Watts. Quick disclaimer before we get started here. This was recorded virtually, so my audio did not come through the best. You can still hear me just fine. Rena sounds perfect, which is even better. Just wanted to give you that disclaimer. I will have virtual sessions sounding a lot better in the future. Just got to get the right setup. So quick disclaimer on that. Hope it doesn't bother you. Appreciate you tuning in. Thank you. Thinker Podcast. My name is Colin and I'm your host. Today I have Rena Friedman Watts here with us. She is the host of Better Call Daddy Podcast and amongst other things as well. I'll let her do a little intro, but welcome everybody and thank you for tuning in. 
And I want to start by having Rena introduce herself and kind of give you a little background about what she does, and then we can kind of go from there. Thank you so much for having me. I am an overthinker, so I fit into that awesome. category. <laughs> I am a mompreneur of four kids, 15 and under now. Wow. Yes, I have three boys and a girl. They are all back to school. So mommy is now back to kicking ass and taking names. Freedom. I <laughs> exactly freedom. Mm. I worked in I worked for an NPR station in college, which then led me to wanting to work in radio after that. I drove up from Purdue University to Chicago interviewed for WGN and then didn't get the job. But while I was up there, I saw a flyer in the same courtyard that Jerry Springer was looking for interns. So I yanked off the little phone number, off the flyer, called it, walked across the courtyard to NBC Tower and got through security and ended up starting two weeks later on the Jerry Springer show. So my That's first awesome. job, yes, Jerry, Jerry was the Jerry Springer show. And it honestly was the best time in my life. And it was quite a time to be alive. It was really the forefront of reality TV. Oh, yeah. So I went from working in a talk show environment for a couple of years. I went from intern to producer in one season, had the time of my life in my early 20s. And then I moved to L.A., and in L.A., I had to start all the way over because I really only knew one person. So I mm -hmm. went from working on pilots of shows to taking a essentially like a glorified secretary position to three very established producers and then doing a whole lot of networking to work my way back up to being a post-production supervisor on Nanny 911 for three seasons. I also was a field interviewer for VH1 and worked at E! And honestly, it was a great place to be in your 20s. Yeah, and then um, <laughs> after that wild chapter, I met my husband online, third season of working at Nanny, and I got married, had three kids in four years, joined corporate America for a bit, then tried the entrepreneurship thing, fell in love with that. And that brought me kind of to almost where I am today. I help people produce their podcasts. I've done like live in-person shoots. I created a podcast of my own and I now have 350 episodes of the Better Call Daddy show, which you were so kind to mention. Yeah. That's um, and I'm, I'm doing so freelance far. marketing. So, and I can do that all from home. Occasionally I have to travel, but I'm living that best life. Are you still in California then? I am now in Texas. I went from... Oh. Uh, I've we've lived all over. I've actually had three kids in four states. So, <laughs> oh wow, or your... four kids, three states. <laughs> okay, is that because of uh, your work or your husband or? Yeah, uh, primarily in order to climb the corporate ladder, you have oh, to okay. move. Yeah, so my husband is a software architect, and he got it. Moved into the oil and gas industry. Up. Uh, yep. That's Texas. Yep. Yeah. Totally get it. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of things that you've done over the years that it's uh, quite the resume. And you sound like you're, you sound like me, like what I'm doing now is just like a bunch of different stuff. Like, you know, podcasting, I'm doing marketing on the side too now. And like, 
all kinds of things and staying busy. And I also still work my nine to five corporate job. So um, I'm just happened to be off today, which is nice. Um, got a bonus Labor Day day, which is cool. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And yeah, it's podcasting is a uh, different game. So what made you decide, hey, I'm going to get into this and when did you have your your first episode? Because I mean, you've had 350. So, have you been doing seasons, or do you just kind of go like on a schedule and just release them every couple of weeks or every week, or what does that what does that schedule look like? Well, since this is a podcast about mental health, <laughs> yeah. I will say that podcasting is therapy. Connecting with other people and having a shared experience has been really good therapy for me. I started about five years ago, co-hosting someone else's podcast first. Okay. I was on this show called Next Level People, but then one of the host's wives had a baby and went through severe postpartum. And so we, it kind of fell off from that, but it really ignited something in me where I was like, oh, I love yeah. these conversations and it's amazing with technology, what we can do today. So then I went on to work for a couple influencers so I worked for a top podcaster. I was booking guests like Howard Schultz and Barbara Corcoran and Derek Sivers and like all of these big guests for someone else. And also I had worked in casting for America's Got Talent and a bunch of different court TV shows and divorce court. And I was like, damn, I know how to find good stories. Like I've been doing that for other people most of my career. So why can't I do it for myself? So it really started about five years when I co-hosted somebody's show. I was booking them guests. I was filling in on occasion. And then I started guesting on podcast first which I actually think is really essential. Like if you want to start a podcast first, like be able to tell your story first, mm -hmm. go guest on other people's shows yeah. and get comfortable doing it before you try to do it yourself. It's it's a good idea. <laughs> it is a good idea. I did it the other way, but I, I adapted, but yeah, I wish I would have done more. I think I was on one podcast before I started my podcast and that was like a long time ago when people didn't even really know what a podcast was. So. So it started there. And then after working for that podcaster and kind of getting insight into what made a good guest and how she was getting those guests and how I was getting those guests for her and her podcast cheat sheet and her teaching other people how to do it, I decided to do it during the pandemic, really at the start of the pandemic, like so many others. And at the beginning, I was like, well, in order to start ranking on these charts, you got to crank them out, right? So I did three episodes a week for the first year. I was a beast. I was insane. That is insane. Oh, man. That's awesome, though. I mean, that consistency is what it's all about. I mean, wow. I could not. I, did, I was doing one a week for a while, and that was enough. And then I went down to two a week and now I'm down to one a week. And let me tell you, doing one a week, you're able to research the guests better. You're able to promote the guests better. You're able to do a much better job with each episode for me. I mean, yeah. that's more manageable. And once it releases, you can do a little bit more marketing and like clips and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I've noticed that's a lot. It's a lot easier too. And also being able to find the right guests, not just always scrambling and being like oh that's i gotta find a guess um with yours it was just i just got lucky because i i found you online and through facebook actually and i was like oh this 
this is cool. Another podcaster, she's doing something. And I had, like, not, without even, like, listening to anything, I saw, like, the description of, like, what you're doing and having conversations and having meaningful storytelling conversations. I'm like, that's perfect because that's kind of what I'm doing, too. Just, like, the main theme is mental health, but, like, everybody's stories like mental health is something everybody deals with in some way or another whether they're diagnosed with something or not i mean everybody has a story or maybe even a relative or something where they've had to struggle um besides somebody who's struggling or like dealing with like for example you've dealt with uh you've had multiple miscarriages that it takes a toll going to take a toll on your mental health and uh that's not necessarily like a diagnosis but that's obviously a traumatic situation and just trauma a lot of trauma that's what i've noticed the most it's like so many people have some type of trauma in their past that they've gotten through and uh most people are that i've had on are open about sharing about that which is very awesome because that's what people want to hear because they can feel like they're not alone and they can relate to it yeah for sure I have noticed that mental health has honestly been the common theme through probably 99% of my stories. Yeah. And that's not even like what you were trying to like get out of it, but it just comes up because that's just, it's just so, I, it's so relatable and so it's getting to be more normalized getting there to talk. Yeah. About Although I'll say in my family, probably you know just from knowing my family members people could have been diagnosed and no one ever was like it's not oh, yeah. encouraged it wasn't encouraged it's still not encouraged to admit to it or call it something it's I feel like my family is very old school and that there's just like you'll get through it it'll be okay get back up that yeah. that is the mentality in my family. And thank God I have my dad that I can like literally call in any state of mind and he can talk me off the ledge. Yeah. Having those people is crucial regardless of what you're going through. It's people that have empathy. Yes. And, and, and I wanted our show to be a bit of that as well where I feel like so many people need encouragement. And even if they're not comfortable enough sharing, like you said, by being able to relate to these real life situations like miscarriage, I also had an emergency C-section where I had a three pound baby seven weeks early. And Ooh. the percentages of people that suffer postpartum after having a premature baby and having to go to the NICU and having three other kids at the time, was super high oh, so this your fourth is your fourth child yeah my fourth child and i had had a miscarriage right before him um i even went to the doctor one time and she was like you know here's some resources in case you know and she was asking me how i was feeling and you know i took the paper but i never called but i think she could even tell from like how i was describing the the crazy and and um and my emotions that maybe I needed to talk to someone. I think that was her nice way of saying, you know, here's some resources. Yeah. Hey, just <laughs> you know, yeah. Totally get it. And which I appreciate that approach. Yeah. Bet that's better. 
Yeah, as opposed to like, what would be the worst? What would be a worse approach that you would say would be something that would be not effective with you? Well, here's something that I don't think is effective that I've seen is like you take your kids to the pediatrician, right? Like mm-hmm. every year for a back to school checkup, and starting I think around twelve, around there, they 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 have your kid fill out this survey. What kid is going to really fill that out honestly? How, they don't trust these doctors. I don't trust them. And, and really tell these strangers like how they're really feeling or what their challenges really are yeah. by circling Surveys a survey. Are, yeah. I get that because I filled out a lot of those <laughs> when I was a kid. And I still have. Like, I, I hate doing them. Like, when I get, like, a new – I've got – I had several several different therapists. And, like, some, like, have that you do that, like, before each session or every couple of sessions or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, I hate this so much. Just talk to me. Yes, exactly. My 15-year-old like literally drew a line through both pages. It was like, no. Yeah. And then turned it back in. I was like, you're good. The thing is, is we all have so many struggles. We all have bad days. We all have mania. We all have OCD. We all have depression, anxiety. It's running rampant through our society. Yeah. Yeah. It's called not enough sleep, not enough exercise, not eating right every day. You know, there's, it's a perfect storm. You know, if you were eating healthy, exercising five days a week, you know, I nursed a kid till he was four years old. I mean, my hormones were off for four years, you know, and combined all these factors. I used to say to my husband, I'm bleeding, I'm nursing, and I'm not sleeping. You know, you want to know why I'm not in a good mood? There you go. Yeah. A lot of factors. <laughs> That's, that is a lot of factors to change your mood for sure. Uh, what? That is. For years of that. Like, kids don't sleep through the night. Like, the whole first year yeah. is complete freaking chaos. I had yeah, three br- kids in four years. Like, I was literally nursing my second kid <laughs> while I was pregnant with my third kid. I had to stop nursing the second one because it was causing contractions and trying to work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah, my brother and sister-in-law, they just had a their first kid and uh yeah they're uh they're going through it uh with the with the sleep the lack of sleep i should say so babies want their mommies and like we went on a hike too or you know even just going to a friend's house and like walking a mile to a friend's house and like you know what if they need a diaper change what if they want a nurse like immediately you know you're literally just camping out on the sidewalk and doing it you know you're changing diapers on the sidewalk you're you know, got to lift up your shirt and nurse the kid on a mountain. It's... <laughs> yeah, whatever you got to do. Um, Anything to I make have, the baby stop crying. <laughs> I have noticed that uh, breastfeeding has been way more popular uh, than it was when I was a kid. Like, I was not bre- breastfed. Uh, I don't know if my brother was. I'm a mi- I'm the middle child. Um, but uh, formula was like a more popular it seemed like i don't know just because it was easier i i'm guessing or they probably marketed it well back then i don't know but it seems to be more popular now because it's obviously more natural and beneficial i would assume you did your research on that before you started doing it uh my husband was a hippy dippy he actually encouraged me to use a midwife and a doula for the first delivery and that was super empowering to be able to do that but yeah like you said i was just like planning on going in getting that epidural you yeah. know 
give him the drugs just <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was thinking that but he then yeah he was into trying to do things naturally and with less interventions and what's interesting now because i've experienced both you know one versus the other is the healing with a natural birth it for me was and i was younger like with my first one, I had my first one at 28, but like literally not a stitch. And right afterwards, I could get up and go right to the bathroom myself with the wow. fourth one. Yeah, that the first three were for the most part like that. My my third kid was close to two weeks late. And they're like, if this baby doesn't come out soon, we're going to induce you. Um, So I like went and got acupuncture. I was super stressed out, to be honest. You know, I was working mm -hmm. like almost to the day until he came and I was swollen and I went and did acu acupuncture and like drank this like herbal tea and just like kind of relaxed and literally he came the next day. I mean, probably he was due, but <laughs> I did feel yeah. like those things were connected. Like sometimes we're so busy. We're so stressed. We're so swollen, you know, we're pushing ourselves to our absolute limits. And if you just slow down and relax and, you know, <laughs> your body will respond yeah. to that yeah because you're all tensed up and yeah your body yeah. had to be like okay it's time it's funny because with my first one like I oh my god I just saw all my friends around me where their moms were coming to help and I was like feeling jealous of that. And so I invited my mom to come and help. And she's not really the helping type. She just wanted to like be there for the pictures. And um, I was so stressed out having her in my apartment. <laughs> I was like, why don't you come back for the party? I literally sent her away and then went into labor the next day. <laughs> I felt like, again, I was so tense. The baby wouldn't even come out. I don't know if that's true, but I felt like that. I don't know. I wouldn't know, uh, but it makes sense. I mean, I, I held the baby in for the right moment. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You're like, there's some people that like, I don't know if they do that because they're like, I want the baby to be born on this day. So I'm going to hold, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you can't stop it. You cannot. Yeah, stop it. I was like, you can't control that very well. <laughs> That's one thing you can't hold in. Yeah. So four kid, four kids in how many years? You said five years? Well, the first three I had in four years, but I also had a miscarriage after my first. And I'll talk a little bit about that because yeah. I honestly like knew nothing about miscarriages. Like unless it happens to you, you don't really ever talk about that with someone. And so I was having severe back pain and I've like been in a couple car wrecks before and had, you know, prior back pain, but I did not know what this was. It was probably contractions. And I had already gone to the doctor, had already heard the heartbeat, already knew I was pregnant. And I was like, you know, something's not right. So um, I was at my parents' house when it happened. And I just decided, you know, because a lot of times when you have like back pain, if you take a hot shower, that will relieve the pain. So I went and took a hot shower and, you know, it came out like in the shower and I didn't even know what that was. So I like picked up everything in the drain stopper, which is really gross yeah, yeah, yeah. and put it 
in a plastic bag. And then I was still having like such horrible back pain. I could like barely walk. Um, I went to the doctor and then they told me what that was. And it was just after having a baby and going through, I don't know, you know, it, people have their own stories. I don't know what is worse, but like just hearing that and hearing that alone, like I was literally like dropped off there. Um, my, you know, and then sharing that with your family, like, how do you share that? You know, everybody already knew. And it, yeah, it was really emotional. I think my grandpa might've cried, probably my dad, my husband, and you know, what, it, what was their experience? But I, I definitely had not heard myself cry like that. It was pretty, it was pretty traumatic. Yeah. It's a loss. I mean, it's like, it's weird. Yeah. You're grieving someone you never got to meet. So that's, there's a, that extra layer to it. So that probably makes it more tricky. And you ask yourself bigger questions too. You're like, am I ever going to meet this baby? Like, what was that on a soul level? Why did that have to happen? And then you're like, was I I working too much? Yeah. You know, you start beating yourself up. You're like, right. Like I had just traveled for work. Maybe I shouldn't have flown, you know, (laughs) Things yeah. like that. And, and and other people say those mean things too. <laughs> oh, God. I, I can only imagine. Yeah. I had to pause for just a second just because my mom's blowing me up. Uh, hold on a second. I'll no problem. Edit, I'll edit this. Okay. All right. We should be good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that process, uh, you said you've been through it a couple of times, I mean, a few times. So that was the, was that the first time? Or yeah, that was the first time. And then I had two healthy children, thank God. And then the last time or yeah, the second miscarriage, um, was after my third kid and I I had, had I seen the baby on the screen? Yes. I think I had found out that I was pregnant and then gone back in. And then I think I saw on the screen that the baby was no longer there. I think I had started to bleed a little bit. Usually the bleeding is not a good sign, but what's interesting. So with, with the second one, I had to brace myself for the storm because it hadn't fully come out yet. Luckily, both times that it happened, though, they did come out on their own. And and that doesn't always happen. Like, sometimes you have to have the, the rest taken out. Yeah. Um. So I went to the doctor. I got the bad news by myself again, which is the worst because these nurses, they they see this every day and sometimes their bedside manner is not necessarily as empathetic as it could be and you know one of the nurses was like are you here for the uh book like they almost said the word abortion and I was like no no (laughs) because afterwards you have to do a blood draw to see if your hormone levels are going down because that's how they can tell 
whether you're pregnant or not pregnant and how your body's adjusting or whatever. So I had to get a blood draw and, you know, the blood draw person isn't in the same room with the nurse. So they're just doing the blood draws, you know, they're not, yeah, careful with how they're treating yeah, the patients. That really sucked. Like that was like an extra dagger. <laughs> like it, it just, you know, you're like having to do the walk of shame anyway of like walking through the waiting room of all the happy pregnant women with like their husbands. And then you're like the one it didn't work out for. And they asked you, are you here for an abortion? It just sucked. Um, And you have to go home and like hope that it's going to come out naturally on its own. And so this time, the second time I went home and just took some Advil or, you know, a leave or whatever, and tried to lay down and relax and hope that it would come out. And it did. Um, but even when it comes out too, um, it, it's sad and gross yeah. and, you know, weeks of letting your hormones regulate and processing it. Yeah, that a whole lot. Uh, as a man, I'm just like I'm trying to understand this the best I can. I understand what you're saying, but as far as like, are you like that's a lot? Yeah, I can't relate to it though, you know. Uh, but I know, like I was telling you earlier, a lot of the people that listen to this show are women, so there's gonna be a lot of women that are like, okay, yeah, I've been through that, or they can relate on some level, and um. And then too, like my dad even said, I think at one point, and not that he was being insensitive, but you don't want to end on a bad note. Like he was encouraging me to have another one. And oh man, yeah. I mean, I guess that's that, that is one way to look. And at ultimately, it, that... it's my choice, obviously, to oh, well, try yeah. or to have another kid. And I made that decision, but I did feel pressure to be honest, to have another yeah. one. Yeah. You're like, oh man, I don't want to go out on that. Like, you know, I have to make up for that or like cancel that out. That's not, that's a bad way to say it. It but, sucks. Um, it really yeah. sucks that like, yeah, you have to feel like in some ways that was a failure. Yeah. When it's really just life. I mean, it's totally out of your control. I think. Oh Yeah completely out of control unless you were like drinking and doing crazy stuff no yeah then it's not yeah then it's not anything like but it's it's weird because there's so many i like people like that women that have been pregnant that have like done been like actively using drugs or drinking and for whatever reason they don't have miscarriages and you're just like how did I have, you're probably, you're probably thinking like, how did I have a miscarriage when other people are like out here being reckless and they're still having kids? Like, I've also, did you ever think of it that way? I've also interviewed women too, that, you know, had to go through IVF or weren't able to conceive. And there's a lot of pressure around that. And, you know, they're seeing these teen pregnancies happen and yeah, they're just having a one night good time or completely unplanned. And, and I think there's some unfairness there too. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. And uh, some people have no problem getting pregnant. Oh. Actually, I got pregnant pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend of mine. I'm like, I always joke. I'm like, I, I could just look at you the wrong way and you'll get <laughs> pregnant. Like, she could just, like, 
I was like, you need to shut the factory down at some point. Come on. Yeah, like pretty much the first time we tried, I got pregnant. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So did you know, like we didn't think it was gonna happen that quickly or that easily. And did you you know we wanted to make sure time it with like the cycle or anything, or you just that you're just like, eh. So that's an interesting question. We weren't like buying ovulation kits or like, you know, I was 28. So we didn't feel super rushed. I want to make sure we had health insurance because, you know, (laughs) I did meet my husband when I was a freelancer in, you know, LA and he was a grad student, like just getting a job. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, I thought it'd be good to have health insurance, but decent idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a night he like put out candles and you know petals or whatever, and then yeah, we we like know the night it happened. But what's That's interesting is, funny. you know, Orthodox Jews um, go to a mikvah uh, once a month. So basically, you bleed for five days and then you wait seven days and then you can be together. So you have to like dip in a mikvah, which is like a ritual bath before you guys can get it on so you're together like two weeks out of the month and then two weeks out of the month you're not and so it's kind of like a guaranteed night of you're gonna get some and (laughs) but you're also your most fertile there so you got to keep that in mind (laughs) okay so So we were doing uh, that practice so okay it it sets you up for success but if you don't want success and you got to think about that too (laughs) yeah but a lot of women don't know their bodies I I personally didn't know my cycle like that until I started that ritual. So have you been, uh, are you still practicing Orthodox Jew? Um, I have mellowed out quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting is. Orthodox Jew light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah what, what's interesting is, you know, I grew up kind of like conservative where like, you know, my parents would go to synagogue on weekends, but they would drive there. They didn't, they bought kosher food, but then they ate out. So it's kind of like a lot of mixed yeah. messages. <laughs> yeah. Um, Or they bought kosher food and then they cooked it all together. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, And they still do that. And that's cool. You know, like do your thing, do whatever works for you. Um, But you know, when I started thinking about getting married, then all of a sudden they like wanted me to marry Jewish and I hadn't dated Jewish like most of my life. So I'm like, why does it matter now? And Mm. (laughs) so I went on kind of an exploration of what Judaism meant to me. And, you know, is that something that uh, is going to matter for me in my life and in my future? And so I like kind of went on like this spiritual journey after I was engaged to somebody who wasn't Jewish. And so I took like a year, a little over a year off from dating, like completely, like no sex, lots of yoga, lots of working out, lots of working, being a workaholic. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Just staying busy as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of manic. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, did some reflecting on, you know, what it, what I wanted my future house to look like. And so I got on JDate. I was like, hmm, you know, let's try this out. I was going to ask, I was going to ask <laughs> which, which website did you use? Yeah. <laughs> well, what, yeah. So JDate was actually cool back in the day. Like at the time I was doing it, there was like 10,000 people on at a time. You know what I mean? It was pretty active where I could go out pretty much breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. The yeah. dating apps are so 
it's such a cesspool now. Uh, I've never been on J-Day because I'm not Jewish. People think I am just by I look, which is very, a very weird thing in itself. Um, <laughs> but I actually grew up Catholic, so it's like, ah, I would be cheating if I was on J-Date. Um, oh, there and, were other uh, people that were doing that, yeah. I'm sure, <laughs> the first, yeah. first question on the date is, are you actually? <laughs> but you still work in radio as well, right? I'm working for cool.fm on Sundays. I right now I'm working 8 p.m. Eastern until midnight. And what's really cool about working at the radio, besides the fact that I got this wonderful new mic that makes my voice sound buttery and a new setup. I have uh, one of those mics too. Yeah. Is nice. I get to work with other announcers who actually work at terrestrial radio. So this is an internet station. And I get to be a part of a team and I feel like I'm learning and honing my skills and they re-air my podcast on Sunday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern as a special feature, which is great because it's increased my listens and it's oh. another way to re-promote guests that have been the best guests. So I love that. Absolutely. That's awesome. So talking about careers, uh, I really want to talk about the Jerry Springer experience because that's got to be wild. I mean, how... How long were you there? And tell me a little bit about like just working in that environment. Like, and how much of it is, is it all staged? That is the number one question I get. And to be honest, I was there like in the heyday when we were actually bringing real stories. So okay, real stories are much easier to make happen on stage. Like if you have a married couple that have been together for 15 years and they have four kids and then there's some bitch down the street that's been banging on the door and you bring her it's it's not too hard to make that unfold on stage right oh, like the course, wife yeah. wants a piece of her yeah just and drama. that was really the bread and butter of the show was like love triangles cheating stories but there was also some of my favorite stories were simply like you know a mother-in-law that was butting into a relationship or a hate your mate you know, I hate your boyfriend. I hate your girlfriend. Oh. So, you know, I had a mother-in-law that hated her son's girlfriend. And the mom and the daughter, oh, my God. They went after each other with some real fury where we really did have to rip people apart. There was hair clumps on the stage, nails ripped out. You know, sometimes they forgot what they really wanted to say. They just wanted a piece of each other. Wow. That is so when did it get to a point where they're like, okay, we gotta kind of play this up a little bit more? Or did if that if your ever story happen? gets boring? Yeah. Like yeah. if you can't talk, you better fight. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, if you so can't was... get it out, you're gonna hear one of those uh, alarm bells of get out of your chair and go for the other person. Yeah, for sure. I mean it it became like a little gamified there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, for a while there that was like I mean that was the that was the original right of reality tv right a hundred percent i mean i i got to book some of the i was really, really young because i was i'm not trying to make you sound a lot i'm older, older than, than you but, yeah but i was really young when that show started so i when it was the first like at, when, when, when did they first start that show? i think it started in 98 it was right okay. and i graduated high school in 97 so i i went there right out of college in 2001 so it was pretty it was pretty hot then like i was there pre 9 oh, yeah. 11 
you know, it, what's crazy is I actually worked on the show during 9-11. I'll never forget that because we had guests in town that we literally could not get back home. Like they couldn't get flights back home. Yeah. And for months we were having to put Jerry Springer guests on trains and Greyhounds and personal Every, limos. No one wanted to fly. Enough. Nobody yeah. wanted to fly. People were terrified to fly. You couldn't get a flight. It was madness trying to get these people to travel to the show. So not only did we have to like, you know, get the whole story to agree to coming, but then we're like, how the hell are we going to get them here? Oh, yeah. And that was all filmed in L.A.? Chicago. Oh, it was filmed in Chicago? Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, I was in NBC Tower. So I lived in Chicago right out of college for three years. And then after Chicago, I moved to L.A., I was, in, okay. I was in California for six years, and then I moved back to Chicago, lived in Chicago another decade, and now I'm in Texas. Do you miss Chicago at all? I have a love for Chicago. I've spent a lot of time there. Actually, you know, my kids' formative years were there, so I have a lot of good memories there, but I feel like during the pandemic, Chicago, to be honest, became a very divided city, mm. um, and taxes are insane, and yeah. There's corruption and crime, and it just was not the same place. I, I mean, that is part of why we left. Yeah, I fully <laughs> understand that. Were you in the city? I have lived all over the city. Like, I have, oh my God, we technically okay. were in the city, but closer to Evanston. Okay, yep. But yeah, no, my address was Chicago. My kids went to school downtown. My kids went to school, you know, um, in an area where if you went a couple blocks it changed very quickly down by university of chicago and there were days where i was scared to let my kids go to school because of all of the violence and all of the yeah and all of the news it's pockets of chicago that are just like yeah don't go there like especially... there were riots and i'm like do i want to put my kids on the bus that day and and you know I just got sick of it. I never thought we'd move in, until the pandemic. Yeah. So you moved in, during the pandemic or like right when it started? I feel like the pandemic is like <laughs> long lingering. Still yeah, kind of going on. It's still Might happen lingering. again. Yeah, but we're not going to be there about... for the next one. Yeah. Texas is a little different approach. It's, a, it's like a different country here. It is. It was well, massive too. I like I well first of all I like diversity second of all there's lots of opportunities here and yes where in Texas are you like I'm in Houston you're in Houston okay I have a special love for Houston because of mainly because I'm such a hip-hop head like oh there's so much good hip-hop that's come out of Houston like uh I don't know how much you know about hip-hop but like UGK and like uh Bun B like the rapper that I really look up to. He's actually probably age-wise, he's probably in his fifties, but they just like that. I don't know why I gravitated to that in high school. Like I started listening to like Southern hip hop. I don't know. Oh, cool. It, well, I had subs in my car, so like the ba- they love bass down there. Um, and uh, yeah, I've always had like a special love for hip hop. I've also done hip hop myself and record. That's another like creative thing I've done throughout the years. Like cool. I have a yeah. I just like to write like, and writing like raps is really fun for me, and uh, it's very cha- be challenging. 
um, delivering them is the hardest part. Actually, is for like actually rapping what you wrote is the toughest part. But uh, yeah, that's another uh, been another outlet for me uh, that I'm. It's weird. Like I go through phases mentally where I feel like, okay, I need to record, um, and it's kind of like I need to like dump. I need to get something out, and uh, I treat it very much like therapy. And so, or if like right now somebody sent me something, they're like, oh, I want you to record a verse on this, like a friend of mine, and I'm like, man, I haven't recorded anything in a while, dude. Like I have to like motivate myself to record, and but. Uh, yeah, Houston is an awesome area. It's, I mean, it's Texas in general is exploding, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. My husband lived here 27 years ago, and I think there's an, at least another million people since then. Oh, man. And uh, what's the, because uh, I'm geographically challenged, um, Houston, and then how far is Houston from like Austin, for example? I think Houston from like Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, they're all kind of like three hours apart, which is totally drivable. Like we've gone to San Antonio multiple times to take the kids to like Great America or Schlitterbahn, like the water park, you know? Yeah, I hear a lot about Austin just because of comedy and Rogan and like how Houston too, though, has a comedy scene. We've already gone to three comedy clubs here. If you're ever wanting to uh, try it out here, let me know. I, I have a couple connections. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm trying to do more traveling more like once once I get to a position where I'm working on my own. And uh, well, the thing is, the good thing about my job is I am remote, so I can kind of work from anywhere. So definitely not a good time to go to Texas right now. It's too hot. Uh, uh, But yeah, probably maybe during the maybe during the maybe during the fall or the winter, I could probably make something work. I also work it for uh my day job is working for a benefits company. So uh, October and November is insane. So uh, we do enrollments and stuff like that. We're a third party. So it's like we're gearing up for that right now. So that time of year is just kind of like the Super Bowl and like where everybody just like is working a ton of hours and just like it goes by fast, but this will be my sixth one. I've been working at this company for almost six years now, which is insane to me because before, like, I would job hop like crazy. I used to, like, be all over the place. But that uh, that happens when you get sober. You actually kind of are more reliable and consistent. So, You know what, too, though, as far as job hopping, I think job hopping is, like, figuring out what you like doing and what you don't like doing. Yeah. And I've done that too. Like I literally left one of the best opportunities of my life because I felt burnout. Like I I produced the season opener. Yeah. Yeah. I I produced the season opener and and, and they were like happy with me and the crowd was going wild. And then one of the guests came up to me and was like, how can you live with yourself? And I was like, damn, I never thought about that. (laughs) Kind of stopped me in my track. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And <laughs> it was like, I had heard so many of these stories and I had been pitting people against each other. And I was like, damn, I think I can work on something else now. Like I've proven myself. I got into the producers guild of America. You know, I had produced an entire season of the show. I was an associate producer for almost an entire season of another show. So I decided to just move to LA and see if I could work on something else. And I luckily worked hard and was able to 
the work ethics, I mean, key, like so many people like don't have a work ethic. Like that is one thing, like you talk about and your podcast, like you talk about your dad a lot. My dad, that's like, that's where I got my work ethic from. Like, just like that dude is like a machine. Like it's ridiculous. Like, um, always doing something, always productively working on something. Unless there's like a game on that, then 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 it's time to relax. Like if there's like a game on that he needs to watch. Other than that, like he's doing something. That's what life is about, though, right? And I'm Continuing getting to, that to point move. Where I'm getting to that point where I don't really. I used to like sit down, and like watch shows and binge watch and do all that stuff. I'm just like, I feel like I'm wasting my time. Um, and I I've gotten to that point with like even. I'm getting better. I still uh, dealing with depression and uh, having like anxiety and things like that. I do have issues with like oversleeping and sleeping in like on the weekends and stuff like that or days off, um, which is why I wanted to schedule this earlier because I was like, that makes me get up. Like doing things like that, like forcing me to have like accountability. Otherwise, like, I don't know how late I would have slept today, but um doing things like that because it's just a way for me to escape. But I'm, but I beat myself up for it. Cause I know I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to be getting up, being productive, doing things. I have so many th different things to work on. So many irons in the fire, like with the podcast, with stand up, with starting my social media, I'm doing social media marketing. Is that kind of what you're doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, trying to help people with social media because in my area i mean where i'm at like if you're you said you're familiar with the quad cities so the, with the quad cities we are not a small it's not a small area but also at the same time it's not a big area so like something that might be going on in chicago like that's new we don't, we won't hear about it for like, we won't start adapting that for another like five years. So we're like five to 10 years behind. So like doing social media marketing for people, like people are just now realizing that, oh, we need to use social media way more than we are right now. And I actually start tried to start this company like six or seven years ago. And I would, I mean, I'm, it's one of those things like I can't change. I didn't succeed back then because I was not in the right headspace, but now it's like I'm trying to figure out what I want to focus on because there's so many things people need help with. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's so just talking about it. On, I might have to pick your brain on that because like it's there's just so many. And I'm doing uh, – we were talking about surveys, but adults are better with surveys than uh, kids. But this is like an online like survey that or, or like an in-person survey I've been doing with people and just asking them about their – social media and like what challenges they have and trying to figure out what I want to focus on and also like trying to figure out what to charge people and I want to be a better person to work with than some of these agencies that are just like insanely like the quotes are just like ridiculous to these small business owners that like you give them a number like that and they laugh at you you know Oh, yeah, that is also why I started doing it freelance, because if there's something that I can help them with, 
I'm willing to do things a la carte versus give me some huge retainer and you have to work with me for a month. Like, hey, you want to get yeah. on five podcasts? I can help you do that. Hey, you want you need five to 10 guests for your show and you just want somebody to like find the right people for you? I can do that. Hey, you need help with your website? Is it blog posts? Is it social media posts, right? It's like you said, finding what they need help with. Is it something that you could manage? Is it something that you could do? Is it something that you enjoy doing? Yeah, a lot of my I, business I, has come from that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoy doing it. It's just uh, my biggest thing is, yeah, mainly just like keeping up with like Instagram, Facebook. That's like, because like some of the, that's actually been refreshing to hear because more most people are like, I'm like, oh, what social? Like the first question I ask people, like, what social networks are you on? They're like, oh, Facebook and Instagram, and that's it. I'm like, sweet. I don't have to deal with a bunch of different ones. Like, <laughs> you're like, now I don't have to be on TikTok. Now I don't have to be on Threads. Now I don't have to be yeah. on YouTube. Now I don't have to be, yeah. I LinkedIn. have. Uh, have you used Threads at all? I've I I downloaded it and I have done nothing. <laughs> so just because I'm like I'm on everything else, I'm like I don't need another app, but. I kind of want to mess with it because I'm intrigued. That's kind of how I was with TikTok. Like when TikTok, when TikTok started getting popular and I started hearing about it more, I'm like, I can't do it because I, 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 I don't want to get sucked in. And then I was like, I, now I like love TikTok. <laughs> so really, that's funny. So I think you kind of need to have a profile everywhere. Just so if that's somebody's preferred means of contacting you, then at least they can contact you there. But as far as yeah but you but you focusing on like around the quad cities like if you bring up tiktok to a lot of people uh they mostly uh if they have it they don't post on it or they don't use it at all or they're like me like the way i was and we're like i'm good i don't need any more apps or they're like I don't want China stealing my data or they're on that page, you know. I, um, I have to say my daughter got kicked off of TikTok because she is not of age. And then TikTok wanted her to present an ID. And I'm like, there is no way you're taking a picture of my ID or an ID for you front and back and sending it to China. Thank you. And now. Yeah, I had to do that so, on Facebook to get the check mark. Heck no. I was like make videos on your phone if you want to dance and don't use that app natively yeah that is a misconception about tiktok though like for kids yeah like the dancing and stuff like that but like there's so much more to it than that as you know like yeah I'm, there's different realms and like worlds of tiktok comedy um, on there is amazing i love the reaction videos oh yeah i've been doing i actually uh if you i don't know if you've seen my tiktok yet but I was doing more reaction videos. Those were like actually really fun. Like I would react to like women who were just on there, like that were just like super hot and like barely doing anything. And then I would just react because like it was just the easy target and other women just loved it. I was just like, all right, I got to keep doing these. And uh, I fell off a little bit. I've been posting more like stand up clips. Um, but also at the same time, I got to watch it with stand up clips. I don't want to put too much out there because then if you come to the show, you're just gonna hear the same thing but I also wonder that I, I was thinking like because we're getting yeah. ready to go to Austin soon and my husband was looking up a comedian that's performing around when we're gonna be there and I'm like if you watch his whole set online like we're literally gonna hear a repeat performance who is it 
forgot. Ah, uh, uh, well, it's not. It's not Rogan. It's not. No, you know, no, no. It's at the mothership, though. Yeah, that's. I just want to check that place out. It looks really cool. Me too. Um, yeah. Um. My. Uh, I'm actually opening for a guy uh, at the end of the month who's been on. Uh, have you heard of Kill Tony? I love Kill Tony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> this is uh, He's so funny. Hinchcliffe, yeah. He's such a good roaster, but um, he is. Yeah, he's. But I've got a a guy. His name's Alomin. Uh, he has been on there twice. He has a golden ticket, actually. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so he can be on there whenever he wants. Uh, and I'm opening for him at the end of this month, actually. Yeah. Congrats! That's awesome. Yeah, he's only been doing comedy for like a few years. Like he was like really new when he went there. That's the funny thing about that show is like people just sometimes it's their first time and they just go up there in a minute and kill and you're just like, wow. And then you got people that have been doing comedy for like four years and they bomb and you're like, oh, yeah. It's not as easy as it looks. Me and my husband took improv at Second City together just for like date night for fun. Yeah. For fun. yeah. And it's impressive when somebody can get up there and just nail it in a minute. Yeah, a minute's a I that, have respect for that. I've never done I've never done a minute. I've done three minutes. Uh but yeah, usually it's uh at least five. Uh like last night I did six or seven. Uh, I did like I did an open mic. There wasn't that many comics, but there was a good crowd, so I was just like got up there and just did the hits and uh stuck with that and um that was fun i recorded i have to watch that recording to see if it's as i'm a, i set myself that a, i don't know if you have this problem and it's something like we could talk about like before we wrap up here i know we're getting close to the time um this doesn't have the thing about zoom it doesn't have a timer that i can see i thought it did and i screwed that up i apologize uh but um, I haven't used Zoom in a while for podcasts. But um, I have uh, I set really, really high expectations for myself, like almost unrealistic, like to the point where like if I do well, I still don't think I did well. Like there's always that part of me that's like, but you could have done this, you screwed that up. Like I don't look at myself with like, I can do it with other people. I can look at stuff like like oh you did a really good job with this and like have a glass half full approach but when it comes to me like i just am my own worst critic i don't know if you have that issue or not or it can definitely relate to that definitely even after i have like a super amazing phone call with someone like yeah. i just had a pitch meeting yesterday with a very important exciting project that i'm potentially yeah. working on and i felt in my gut that it felt so good like i felt like the two people that i connected it went really well but I still needed to hear it from both parties yeah, you before need that I trusted it. I always yeah. need validation. I'm a words of affirmation person too. Yeah. Yep, yep. Even when I feel like I knock it out of the park, I want other people to tell me that. I wish I didn't need that. Yeah. I was lucky enough. Uh, at first I was like, I don't know how I did. I, didn't, I heard a couple things like other comedians, you never know if they're just like being supportive or not. Like they tell you like, Hey, good set, man. Or if they're just saying it or if they actually mean it. But I walked out last night and uh, there was a couple that were sitting up front. Um, 
and I they said something. The guy said something to me on my way out. I was like, oh, okay, I, I didn't do that bad. Uh, and and he meant it too. I could tell um, because he well he was a part of my act too because he was sitting up front. So he, he kind of. I wonder if some of these bigger comedians still need that. Yeah, I bet. I, yeah, I, I could. I I'd be it'd be weird if they didn't. Uh, like, do you ever get to a point where you're just like, I freaking know I'm good. <laughs> yeah, so I know some people. I do know some people like that, but like, I feel like people who are naturally like gravitated towards this, like this was like stand-up comedy just made sense to me to do because I've always been someone that's been like. I'm not like the I'm not always like the funniest guy in the room, but like if you get me going onto something, I, it's just like it's over. Like um and I was always a class clown. I love the attention. Uh it was I want to hear some stories now. <laughs> yeah. I got kicked out of class once a week at least minimum. And <laughs> because I because I could not just let like if a teacher said something and there was like a way for me to make a joke out of it, it was happening. I couldn't, I could not help myself. I especially like, oh, health class. Like when we're talking about sex and stuff, they might as well have just left me out of that whole lesson. Like just because. I love when my <laughs> kids come home and they're like, "Yeah, so and so totally yelled penis today." I'm like, "Oh yeah, so the penis yelling game. That was a classic." Um, yeah, friends of mine did that. Who could yell or like through a class plant at the wall or yeah wild stuff uh but that's like yeah. the best memories there has to be a little of that yeah i remember i got in trouble once i'm not admitting to anything here by the way yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i got in trouble once for something i didn't do though so somebody threw uh an i think it was an apple at somebody at lunch and it hit him in the head and it like exploded like uh and i was definitely right there and saw it but i didn't throw it and the dean at the time brought me into the office and was like i know you threw that apple like i'm like no you don't because i didn't and i like i was just like you know me i've been here a million times i'll tell you if i did it like I'm not gonna lie to you or try to say like I I've always been pretty honest. Like I don't really try to hide stuff like that. Um, like if you got me, you got me. But I was like, no, like I did not do this. And I'm like, you know who did it? You're. She was afraid of this kid. Like this kid was like, uh, a kid that um, he was intimidating. Like I was always cool. That's the thing with me. Like I'm always like. People are like, you know, intimidating, can be intimidating. And I'm like, I can always get through that barrier to them because I can get through it to them with comedy. I can get through them by making jokes or saying something funny. And they're like, oh, this guy's all right. And uh, if you can make somebody laugh, like, it's, it's, it's game over. You're not going to, you're going to be on their good side. Um, and I'm on a lot of people's good side that you don't want to be on their bad side. But yeah, I didn't get in trouble eventually. I stood my ground because I didn't do anything. I don't think he he ever got approached for it because she was just so scared of him. It was hilarious. And 
I'm surprised. This was towards the end of lunch. Otherwise, there would have probably been a food fight. We actually tried to do a food fight on our last day of school, uh, seniors, like as a senior prank, but nobody was able to keep it a secret. So there was like a million, not a million teachers, but there was a bunch of teachers in there and they were ready for somebody to throw something. I was like, darn, you, somebody should have like been brave. Yeah, I thought about it, but I was like already on thin ice anyway, I think. So, and I didn't want to like, I was on the baseball team. I didn't want to get in trouble with that too. And no. See, that's a thing that I feel like is kind of missing in school today is they just, they, they've cut breaks in between classes and they're so strict about a short lunch and, you know, they say you're in school to learn, but I'm like, you're also, I mean, maybe this is like my bad parenting, but I'm like, you're also in school to have friends. And like, even my 10 year old said to me, like, can we get to school a little early this week? Cause I just want to talk to my friends before I have to yeah. go into class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. So many good times of just like being able to like hang out at lunch or, but I was never early for school. I was always after school kind of guy. Um, yeah. And doing like extracurricular stuff and yeah, that, that's weird that they, I understand, like, because obviously the teachers and the people who work there just want to get shit done, but they got to look at it from the other perspective as well. Like, human interaction in general is, like, it's not good right now. It's not going well. Like, us doing this is not normal. Like, <laughs> having this conversation for this long period of time. Uh, and that's why I like doing the podcast, because I like having conversations like this. Sometimes, it's the only co like lengthy conversation I have in a week, which is insane. But yeah, same. It's like that's another reason why I keep doing it is for myself just to have those conversations with people and be able to communicate the the old fashioned way, even though we're doing it through a computer. But still, like, it's so weird. Like people don't, and you having kids. I mean, the way they communicate is just so weird. I, well, one me, thing that I, I realized during the pandemic too, is like so much of this stuff that we create unnecessary stress over, like I have a son that's a lot like me and he's a perfectionist. I I'm mm -hmm. at like a recovering perfectionist yeah. workaholic type. Damn. He was like, I am putting so much pressure on myself to get like, he got straight A's last year, but he was a little insane around it. And he was like, you know what? I'm just going to get an F. Yeah. He was like, and I was like, you know what? An F to him is like literally a BRC. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm not putting that pressure on you to, to get straight A's. Like if you'll be less insane, I'm okay with that. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's hard too, because in life, the cheaters are rewarded. Like he literally could cheat to get an A, but he's actually trying to learn it. And, you know, yesterday in school, his teacher said, circle the ones that you need help with or you have questions on. I mean, they're eight days in at this point. You know what I mean? And then he circled more than she allowed to explain. And then she was like, okay, I'm only going to give you a 50 on this. Like, since you didn't answer enough of them. And he's like, wait, I'm being penalized because I followed what you told me to do. I'm, I actually want to learn the material and you're going to give me an F for that. So that just like ruined his entire day where he came home on like a tirade where it's for a kid that cares and that's a perfectionist. That's like such the wrong approach. 
So then he's like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, F it. And I'm like, okay, do it. F it. I don't care. I'm like, that's not really what you want, though. He's like, don't reverse yeah. psychology me, you know? Yeah. It's true, though. That's not what he wants. But I'm like uh, that, too. Yeah. I am so like that. Like, I want my videos to be great. I want my shows to be great. I want my yeah. customers to love me. But that is honestly not how you learn. No. You learn from the screw-ups. Oh, yeah. You lo- you learn from the unairable shows. Yeah. I've had a couple Which of Which I've had. Yeah. I've had a couple of those. One of those where I was the guest and on somebody else's podcast, and we... We've been scrambling to try to record it again. I'm like, man. Um, Let me tell you something about that, too. I've had guests that, like, we just, I don't know, have different communication styles or maybe the questions I ask. It just doesn't flow. And I've done a couple repeat episodes, and sometimes the repeat ones are worse than the the original try. Yeah, because you're trying too hard to make it work. So sometimes it's better just to be like, look, I like you. I like your content. Yeah. Even like when I say, even when I say out those questions, I'm like, I don't normally do that. So I'm kind of glad you didn't even like, you didn't like send them back. So I would like read them off the paper and be like, Oh, um, but, uh, cause that like people have asked me many times or like, Oh, do you have like a format or like, and like they, people that are, have that kind of brain you know yeah it's like no i don't do that because then what's the point of having a podcast if it's just going to be like scripted the whole time you know? yeah i i would love to speak to that a little bit because i had a guest yesterday who has produced 12 reality shows and he okay. is a producer mind and, and yeah, a director mind and that. he really like he sent me the questions I should ask him and there's so many people that try to do that uh, and I was like thank you for the suggestions I know you I want to just have a conversation like I yeah. personally as a host do better not sounding like I'm reading and even when I started at the radio station we had certain lines that we had to read about the station you know we had yeah. like catchphrases or whatever yeah, yeah. I'm like Plugs. give me a rough outline but I don't want to sound like I'm reading and I produce a healthcare podcast and it's scripted and I even tell the guests I'm like you've written the answers to the questions that you know you're going to be asked please don't look at them during the recording yeah because if you look at them I can hear it Mm -hmm. yep and I've heard you do it on two other healthcare podcasts so let's make this one different I want to make it sound conversational like let's breathe some life into this subject matter yeah, and also like me not knowing stuff makes me more engaged and want to ask more questions as well. So like sometimes like the less I know, the better. Uh, so I can, because I'm just a curious person in general and that like gets the ball rolling to get me asking more questions and opening more doors and things like that. So, so I think it's good to research people, like check out their Instagram. Yeah, check I out did, their like, Facebook, right? Yeah. But don't over prepare either. Have like a general idea of their story, general but idea. don't know it yeah. all. Yeah. 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 You don't need to come in like, yeah, like <laughs> crazy, like knowing, like, how do you even know that? <laughs> like, I've had just... that a couple times where I'm like, damn, okay, I think I stalked them too much. But like, yeah, yeah. you don't want to know like oh, where they were born, where they went to college, who their best friend was. 
Yeah. Yeah, that would be uh, a little weird. You're like, you <laughs> talked to who before this interview? What? I ha- I actually did that to this one podcaster. Who, he's a good friend of mine now, but like I saw that he was in like a bunch of posts with this guy on Instagram. And I was like, hey, I'm getting ready to interview your friend. The what friend reached out to the podcaster and was like, do you know her? Like she reached out to me. Oh, you ruined it, dude. Like, Way yeah. to do your research, Rena. Yeah. Hey, that that is actually a good idea, though. I don't think that's a terrible like, thing to do. It's like talk to Here's somebody. Here's another already... one. So like if you look up somebody on LinkedIn and you look at their last three recommendations from people that they've worked with, you could say, hey, I saw that you wrote a glowing recommendation of so-and-so. I'm getting ready to interview them. What's something that I should ask? What would you like to know about that person? I've done that a bunch. And a lot of times that works well. Okay. Yeah. I just started interviewing people at work. Uh, and that's been interesting. I'd, I'd never done it before. Like I just, I worked my way up into leadership and this was the first year I actually interviewed people. And I was just like, Oh, I mean, I interview people on the podcast, which helps help me like make it easier and more comfortable. But at the same time, like they made me ask certain questions and I was like, Ugh, I don't like the scripted stuff. Like, so I went off script multiple times. I was just like, I obviously asked the questions that were needed to be answer, asked because uh, it was like the first round interview. There was still a second round interview, but like I still asked like, you know, at golf cup or like, like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me a little bit about that. Or like, you know, just because I was interested um, just to get them talking, you know. I feel like I'd be afraid to interview people while I work with them in case that job doesn't work out. It's kind of similar. Like I moved to a new city and when you move to a new city and you connect with other podcasters, you're like, should we collab? But then you're like, what if I get to know them better and I don't like them? And then we live in the same place. So I like to kind of like get to know (laughs) some people and like make sure it's a good idea before I like know that they're forever going to be on my platform. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, thinking about the long game too. Like, that's why I didn't do that. That's why I'm not having politicians on, um, at least local politicians. I did have Spike Cohen on my podcast though, um, which was kind of a cool one. Uh, but we didn't talk about politics though. Really, we talked about uh, we actually talked about sobriety because he's in recovery. Oh, he's been sober for a long time, so um, we talked about that a lot. So it wasn't. I'm gonna just check that, that out. And also, I was like, he's not a Republican. He's a libertarian. So I was like, people don't hear from them ever. So it's like, it was an interesting person to talk to. Um, but yeah, when it comes to like, I was like, I already turned down one mayor. I'm not a mayor candidate. I, I can't just let the other one on. And, and if I do, I'm going to have to interview the other guy. And like, I don't want this to be a political podcast at all. So, but that was just a wild I didn't like it was one of those where you send an email like just for the hell of it just to see if they respond and uh or a dm or whatever like hey you interested and yeah they reached out real quick I'm like hell yeah I did not think that it was just like I just like threw out a line it's like I don't know if I'll catch anything or not but you never know like I need, that's one thing I need to work on is I don't ask people enough. Like, uh, 
I don't, I don't reach out enough uh, to ask people because I'm like, ah, oh, they're not gonna do it. Like I put it in my head, like, why? I know better. I know, like, you know, that's how you get the good people on your podcast is by asking. You have to ask the question. They're not just gonna come to you and be like, hey, can I be on your podcast? Unless it's a huge podcast, um, unless you're like, you know, on like a weird, crazy Rogan level, you're not, no one's gonna like hey can i be on your podcast unless like they're like a friend of yours or something like that i have friends that ask me sometimes i think you should literally throw a line out to rogan today yeah i'm gonna throw out a line to rogan. you know who i really want to have on that is like my would be like i would lose my shit would be theo von like that's the comedian theo von uh he's also he's been on rogan before but he's had his own podcast uh he's a comedian but he's just so relatable. Like some of the stuff he talks about, he's also, you know, in recovery and um, he uh, loves some of the same substances that I loved. And uh, also just, and he's a comedian. So we talk about that too. And he's just like a very open book. And uh, his, his, I don't know if you've ever checked out his podcast. It's called This Past Weekend. Um, I watch a lot of the clips because I don't, you know, when you produce your own podcast, you don't really have time to listen to other people's podcasts like in full. So I will just like watch clips. And um, that's why I started doing videos so I could put out clips because that gets people engaged or some people just only watch your clips, which is fine. Yeah. I think that if people see enough of your clips and enough of your clips that they relate to that then, eventually sends yeah. them over to long form. Yeah, you have to get it a few times. Other, yeah, because I've eventually watched one of the long forms. Um, like, cause he had it got pulled from YouTube actually, cause he had Roseanne on. I was just gonna say, I literally reached out to Roseanne last week. I've been listening to her podcast. She interviewed Alex Stein, who I interviewed kind of before he like majorly blew up. He's like her guest nine or something. So I listened to that episode, and then I started listening to a couple other episodes because I freaking love her. I've loved oh, her yeah. since I was a little girl. Like I watched yeah. the Roseanne show with my mom yeah, she's and an icon. I freaking love her. And so I signed up for her newsletter, which I barely ever do. Like yeah. I hate spam. Me too. But hers are short and they really just link you to her episode. And I responded I to, to one of her emails. Like I, I responded to one of her emails and was like, even though your audio wasn't the greatest because you were in Hawaii at the time this one was recorded, that didn't even bug me. I freaking love your podcast. I love how you think about humanity. And I wrote her back and I got a response. She just said, I don't even know if it was her. It could have just been her team. But she said, thank you so much with a heart from me responding to her newsletter. So then mm. I was like, ooh, somebody responds here. Noted. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and, and that's how I've actually gotten hard to reach people too, is I'll test different means. I'll sign up for their newsletter. I'll at sign them on Instagram and share them in my stories. I'll share their content in my stories. Mm -hmm. I will comment on their content, see if I get any replies and then make notes of, did they look at my story? Did they reply? Did they reply to a newsletter? Do they have an email? I say, yeah. throw out the line. If you really want that. Theo, go for him. I mean, I love what you just said too. That was such a personalized reason as to why you want him. I was interviewing this guy, Lance Shuttler. I haven't aired it yet. 
like a couple days ago and his father passed away by suicide and then he kind of changed the course of his life by going into studying more brain health and supplements and the health system and all of that. So he has like a supplement company now. Mm -hmm. And after our interview, like the very last thing that he, I basically said to him, you know, if there's anybody that you feel would be a good introduction, just let me know. And he was like, well, I saw that you interviewed James Altucher. And I know that James Altucher speaks about mental health. Then he went back in his room, pulled out a James Altucher book and told me why he loves James. You know, he's a comedian. He's a chess player. He talks about mental health. I was like, oh, wait, let me hit record again. We're going to make a clip together right now. I'm going to edit it special for you and I'm going to send it to James. I don't know if that guarantees you that James will respond, but I'm friends with James's editor and how cool that you have the book handy, that you have a personal story. I'm going to send it for you. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It's uh it's really about putting those lines of communication out and trying Well, we need to get wrapped up here just cuz we're running as usual. I just I I I like to talk, so um but uh, I want to, before we close things out, I want to ask, like, I, I'm trying to think of a good way to close things. And I, uh, one thing I thought of recently was, like, asking people just a basic question, uh, just for the listeners. What's something you would say to someone who's, like, who might be listening to this podcast and struggling with something, like, mentally or, like, just having a tough time and trying to keep going and moving forward what would be your words of advice like because obviously you've been through tough things yourself yeah that's a great question I was actually thinking of a quote I was like is he going to ask me if I if I'm going to leave him with a quote or if if you have a favorite quote that works too but here's what I'll say I'm going to kind of combine the two answers I have this quote you know when I was in middle school, I was kind of going through awkward years of, you know, not fitting in and oh yeah, being bullied. I, I was bullied. I was chased home from school and um, I went to summer camp and one of my counselors was into reading like dark poetry. And I felt like I really resonated with that poetry at the time. She introduced me to Sylvia Plath, who, you know, ended up taking her own life. But there was and and Anne Sexton. I forgot which one of them said it, but one said, I was once beautiful and now I'm myself. And that has stayed with me for so long because I felt like I had to put on makeup and I had to be skinny and I had to be pretty to be liked or to be promoted. And the more I'm raw. The more I just show up as who I am, the more I accept who I am, the less edited I am, the more happy and comfortable you become. So that's what I would say. And then as far as if you're going through a hard time, you've got to find somebody that has loved you in all of your different phases. So for like me, it's my dad. He is my Mm -hmm. number one motivator, my number one fan. Like I said, I can literally call him in tears. I can call him yelling. I can call him cursing. I can call him in any state. And he Mm -hmm. won't get off the phone with me. So if it's a friend, if it's a relative, if you want to call my dad, do that. (laughs) (laughs) But he'll adopt you. Yeah. But but you got to find somebody who's seen you in your best light and can help remember you of those times when -hmm. you were yourself and when you believed in yourself. You know, even in in giving speeches or performances, if I'm nervous or if I'm anxious or I don't think I can do something, I try to remember 
I've produced the Jerry Springer show. I've put my hand through a piece things, of yeah. yeah, put my hand through a piece of wood at Tony Robbins when that board looked too thick for me to even comprehend doing it. You know, I, I got to think of those breakthrough moments of when I did something that I never thought I could do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are huge. Remembering that, like the things that you have already been through. That I didn't think I ever could. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I did that. This is not the. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Perspective. Perspective wise. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I think that's a great way to wrap up for everybody. And I appreciate you taking the time. I'm glad you had the extra time too. That was, that was, uh, that was a blessing as well. So I am, I'm going to wrap up the recording here, but I appreciate your time. And, uh, just before we wrap up, uh, if you want to let people know, do a shameless plug of where to find you. So they know I'll put it in the description too. Obviously I do that. So it's easier. So, but if you want to just, uh, let people know, uh, where they can find you on social media or find the podcast. I'm assuming it's everywhere. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bettercalldaddy.com, which was newly made over because I won a name cheap contest. So oh, yeah. I'm very proud of my website now. Check out bettercalldaddy.com. And then you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Rena Friedman Watts, Twitter, not so much TikTok, but I am there. <laughs> I am there. Not so much TikTok. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.